0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Satlin. How's it going, man?
1: Ben, good news today. I don't think the rooster is going to crow for this episode. I don't know. I mean, that happened midway last time, but it's kind of, it's dark, you know, dark out now. Not really sure we're going to be hearing many crows or roosters or what. I don't know what, is it, is it a crow? I think that's what it is, um, but I think we're going to be set for this episode uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future though.
0: Only the people that actually listened through that entire podcast will, will know probably exactly what we were talking about from last week, because that was, I, it was a great bit of editing done by you.
1: Thank you. I was really proud of it. It, it could have been better. Could have enhanced the audio. Everyone cut me some slack, but, um, yeah, I, I felt like it was super appropriate considering that we had to cut out 10 minutes of audio from the podcast.
0: Yeah, that, that was something I, I was not expecting uh, to go through last week. But what I was expecting, Garrett, was a bump in five-star ratings and reviews on our Apple podcast. And we got an extra one, and it was a glowing review. I, I don't know if, you've, if either of us have seen as nice of a review as this one that we just got.
1: Thought the same thing. I thought that might be the nicest uh, review we've had Maybe ever. It, and in fact, probably nicer than anything my mom has ever said. So who, <laughs> who knows?
0: Yeah. I mean, podcast after podcast, they deliver great content and then a lot of other nice things. But I, I kind of stopped reading after that first sentence, to be honest.
1: Oh, Ben, come on. I read the full <laughs> thing. I really appreciate the total division by division coverage, even though that's more for TSR instead of this podcast. But, you know, former male student athlete and AIA women's track coach, Stride Report is a great job. Providing reviews for men and women students of all uh, divisions. Thank you, thank you. See that? What a great review! Super nice of you. Uh, super appreciated. Thanks.
0: Yeah, that look how easy it is to make our day. It's it's that simple. It probably took this guy or girl f- like five minutes to do this, and and our days have been completely made. So uh, exactly. if you want if you want to pay us back for this podcast, this is a great way to do it. Um, we are again closing in on that hundred mark. Uh don't know what we're gonna do, but it'll be great, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I gotta start planning for that because that that could actually happen now at this point as we kind of inch closer week by week. Um, I just kind of have it at the back of my mind. But now as we're kind of getting inching closer at 84 reviews, we'll we'll see what
0: happens. So we we got a lot of we sent up the flare for a mailbag uh questions. This weekend, you guys came in in a big way, and we'll get to those in a bit. But a few, a few notes before we get going. First thing, we have our D2 and D3 individual rankings are up. I think they should be completed uh, by the yep. time you are listening to this. So check those out. We have full D1, D2, and D3 men and women rankings on the site now. So uh, if you wanted to look at what the season uh, would look like if we were having a completely normal one. Then we pretty much predicted the top fifty at NCAA. So you, they, I mean, they don't even need to run it anymore. We correct. we have it exactly correct. So exactly, check that out. Um, D two and D three guys did a great job. Um, so make sure you guys check those out. Um, any thoughts before we move on to a few other topics, Garrett?
1: Uh. Yeah, I feel like I kind of know all of those runners personally now after kind of stalking their first pages for the past three, four weeks. So um, yeah, yeah. Just a shout out to the whole crew. Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot, a lot of research. The work isn't done yet. We still got team rankings coming our way, but I think most of us at TSR can agree that uh, the the individual rankings are a little more tedious than uh, everything else. So shout out, to, shout out to the team. They did a nice job.
0: Yes, they certainly did. But Garrett, we just broke some news earlier today about a proposal for a tri-conference championship meet between the Big 12, ACC, and SEC. So pretty much the three power five schools that are still uh, planning on competing this fall. It's kind of an interesting time, I think, for this proposal to come out um, before any, any of these teams have even started to race. Um, we've obviously seen most schools decide to cancel or postpone fall sports. We've seen the national championship for cross country canceled. I, I'm curious what this would look like. It would be, I, I think, a great meet to watch. I mean, this you would still have three conferences loaded with top runners. But I, I, I'm kind of curious about the, the timing of this and, and how it would work logistically if teams are having a problem, uh, racing more than uh, racing against more than one or two teams, how are they going to fit 36 teams all, all together in one meet? Uh, if that's what they're planning on doing.
1: Right. The, the logistics in terms of safety protocols and how many teams can race at once and how that works. Truthfully, I'm not familiar with that process or what the conferences or schools are going to require. Um, that's, that's something that I have to be figured out. Um, but I will say that the, this is kind of coming to the forefront now, mainly because there needed to be a, a, some clarification from the NCAA uh, regarding eligibility. And that took place this past Friday where the uh, NCAA was able to approve uh, a blanket waiver of eligibility, which, you know, from my understanding, from your understanding, from the understanding of some coaches that I have spoken to, is that coaches and sorry, athletes can compete this fall in their respective fall sport and not have their eligibility lost for the 2021 cross-country season. And that's really the biggest thing that I think was holding back this proposal, because no one's really going to you know, run in a tri-conference championship that truthfully doesn't mean anything close to the same thing as a national championship. Um, and they would like to save the eligibility of their athletes for the following year. So ultimately, that's why this has kind of been – it's been stirring for the past two weeks, but now the clearance – Of that eligibility is a major roadblock towards this actually happening. Uh, The logistics of how it happens, who knows? Um, I'm I'm not familiar with that detail, but uh, the eligibility portion was was a big one. And uh, if I'm understanding that correctly, and if the coaches I've spoken to are understanding it correctly, then uh, it it looks like the eligibility will be, uh, you know, they won't have that taken away if they race the summer, this fall, excuse me.
0: Right. And and that's no small thing, like you were mentioning, because we, we, I think, had talked about last week, a lot of coaches for these schools that are planning on competing weren't going to run their uh, top runners because why would they waste a season of eligibility in a, in a year where there will be no national championship? So for us as viewers and fans, it's it, this ruling is big because, well, if there are meets and if things are able to go ahead for these schools and conferences... That means we get to see the top runners, which I think is something we're all really excited about seeing if we get the possibility.
1: Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens and how some coaches will construct their lineups. I mean, you know, in a year where eligibility is kind of a non-factor, you're probably going to see the best of the best from each 3 of these conferences throw the line if they do opt to race and they do, you know, they are able to put this together because you know, some coaches reserving eligibility, it won't make a difference. So, um, while not an official cross country season, it will be, I think, a competitive one, at least for the three conferences that are involved the Big 12, ACC, and SEC um, this fall, if they were able to put something together.
0: Yeah. So, any, any, at this point, any races it will be great. I, I'll be thrilled to be able to look through. Uh, results that are more recent than March. And at this point, I- I'm desperate to see any collegiate action. So if they're able to go through with anything like this, I, I- and do it safely, I-, I would be really excited to be able to watch. Um but we yeah. should move on to another bit of news that we saw this past week was Julie Coley, uh of Georgetown, the director of track and cross country resigned and she is taking a new job with Brooks. Um, a a big development, not necessarily just for Georgetown, but it could be for the whole NCAA. As we've seen, one coach leave, and that at, from a prestigious university that could open up um, a handful of other positions. As Georgetown could hire externally and leave openings at some other prestigious universities. So, Garrett, what what interests you about her uh, decision to make the move to Brooks?
1: Well, you're absolutely right that in terms of her leaving, you know, her... you know her coaching strategies and planning and, and tendencies those are all important but the fact that she's leaving such a prestigious University is what could create this kind of chain effect that we've seen in the past when you know Metcalf uh, you know stepped down from Washington and then the pals came in and then you know edric Floreal, uh went to Texas and sorry if I butchered that name which led to Ben Thomas going to Oregon which led to Pete Watson going to Texas and then the following year Miltonberg from Stanford to UNC that caused a little bit of a stir and now you have a high profile job open and it's because of the how elite or prestigious Georgetown is you know like uh, John Goodridge one of probably one of the most accomplished and legendary coaches in the NCAA today at least on the distance side he just retired from Eastern Michigan after 20 years with that program previously was at Wake Forest and somewhere else I don't have off the top of my head but a super accomplished coach in himself, but the, the you know, top tier coaches won't exactly rush to Eastern Michigan the same way that they would to Georgetown. So if Georgetown opts to hire externally, um, you know, that, that could be pretty, you know, pretty huge. You know, you just take from one big school and go to another. And now all of a sudden you have to find these replacements. You have to find, uh, you know, all these openings. It just creates a chain effect of coaching changes, especially so late in the year. But what I imagine might happen is that they will hire internally, given the last-minuteness of the situation. Um, Brandon Bonzi is already the men's head cross-country head cross coach there. He has a very similar background on the distance side, just like Coley. Um, yeah, I, I think that he would probably be a logical replacement for that director role, but what well, we'll see. It's impossible to tell with some of these things. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of have to see what happens.
0: Well, I'm also curious with the cutback in budget for a lot of universities. Whether or not uh, schools like Georgetown are really going to be eager to spend a lot of money to maybe grab a candidate externally when they could promote and hire with from within. And and like you said, the last second nature also probably plays a role in it. But I I think that there's a lot with all the uncertainty going on about even basketball whether or not we're going to see a. NCAA tournament, and that's a huge form of revenue for a school like Georgetown that relies heavily on uh, the Big East and and the basketball program there. It, it'll be interesting to see if we see less uh, coaching changes, just as schools are aren't really eager to let coaches go and have to pay a, a either a buyout or a uh, just be paying two coaches at the same time because. The budgets are just going to be a lot smaller I think across the board
1: yeah I, I can't speak to Georgetown's budget um, but they're obviously I think you know to say anyone's going to be aggressively spending would be i I would say that that would be surprising if that was the case but yeah ultimately um, we'll we'll see what happens it the, the current situation could impact how Georgetown approaches this higher um, i I I do have a feeling, I just have a hunch, I have no background information on this whatsoever. I do have a feeling they're going to go internal, and I do have a feeling it's going to be Brandon Bonzi, but we'll see. Who knows? And uh, But yeah, regardless, best of luck to uh, Julie as she uh, pursues, a, I believe, a sports marketing management role with that Brooks. I believe that was the specific uh, role or specific title, uh, but best of luck to her. Very, really interesting change. I don't, this doesn't happen that often.
0: Yeah, she'll be one to keep an eye on over the next few years and see how that that role works out for her. But we we should move on to we we've had some pretty high level transfer news over the past week or so, and we haven't really been able to talk about it too much. But the first name on the list is is one that is a significant addition for her new team. Julia Julia Patternane, headed from Penn State to Arkansas. This is a a top cross-country runner uh, for Penn State who is a huge contributor uh, for them last year. She was ninth at the Mid-Atlantic Championships this past year. She has some solid track times and is coming to an Arkansas program that is losing a lot of its depth. And if she can come in there and produce the same way she did at uh, Penn State or better, then the Razorbacks are going to be rebuilding much, much quicker than we thought at the end of last year.
1: Yeah, she is a really underrated talent, one that's not really appreciated enough in my mind. And, you know, 2019 cross country season was okay for her. It wasn't truthfully her best, uh, but her 2018 cross country season as a freshman, I mean, she was. 30th at Nuttycomb. She was, she won the Penn State National Open. She was 10th at the Big Ten Championships. Um, and then she went on to the track. She was a, a 10K national qualifier, or excuse me, a 5K national qualifier. Um, for the outdoor national championships, you know, but had a 10 k PR of 33:22. She's a really, really talented runner. And when she's at her best and when she's hitting everything in full stride, I mean, I have always been a big fan for her. I always thought she was one day going to be an all American on the grass has yet to happen, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. She's just a really key name for this Arkansas team that has suddenly out of nowhere gone from being a, are they a top 25 team to now? A, oh, are they a top 10 team now? within the span of the past six, seven months, when you consider the transfers that they've brought in and the recruits that they've brought in uh, since last winter.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a totally different team towing the line in, t- well, I guess it'll be 2021 um, for Arkansas, or even 2020, if we do see them run some of their top runners. we really only going to have Lauren Gregory leading the charge from last year. And But with that said, I, I, you're talking about some top freshmen coming in. You have Pattern a now. They picked up Chrissy Gear earlier in the year um during the winter break and she showed some pretty impressive stuff on the indoor track scene. So you're, I I agree the Razorbacks are suddenly not a, not a threat to drop out of the top 10. They they really I mean I I haven't looked at the uh, women's rankings like you guys have, but there's someone that if everything clicks right, I don't I I could even see them closing in on the podium once again
1: yeah i mean i think everything would have to click perfectly you know the full potential of some of these women would really need to be reached um you know and of course this is all assuming in a regular normal year but you kind of look at that team and you go man they're pretty good when they're all at their best and they're all hitting their prime and they're at their peak i mean you know it's not completely out of the question to think that they would be a podium program do i think that's the case no i don't think that I don't think everyone's going to click so perfectly that that's going to happen, you know. If this were a normal year, but we'll see. But overall, I mean, Arkansas did one heck of a job—not just rebuilding, but reloading. Really, I mean, their team looks nothing like what they had last year. And patterning for me was kind of the the final piece where I stepped back and went, "Man, this is a really, really good team."
0: Arkansas on the men and women's side need to like people need to pattern themselves off of what they've done in the transfer market because both both the men and women have done outstanding reloading their squads with the amount of talent that they're bringing in the door. Um, it's really incredible, but we should move on to the next transfer. We had Monica Hebner headed from UCLA to Texas, sporting PRs of sixteen forty five and thirty three fifty two a nice pickup for the Longhorns as they get Hebner and I believe her sister um, going into next year.
1: Correct. Yes. Her sister as well. Um, I believe, Oh gosh, I don't have her sister's name off the top of my head, but um, yeah, her sister had transferred, uh, I believe the year prior. Um, And Hebner actually comes from Duke originally where she originally committed. Um, She was a 10 K national qualifier on the track, Um, Showed a lot of promise as a freshman, eventually ventured to UCLA, uh, where she kind of faced a few challenges. She kind of spoke about this on her Instagram page, but uh, eventually is now coming back and and she wanted to be around her family, wanted to be back around her sister, uh, Isabel. Excuse me, that's her sister, Isabel. That's who I was thinking of. Um, So, you know, ultimately, she's settling in at, at probably the place that's best for her. Um, it's rare that you see that many transfers, but you know, I do think that it's a really nice pickup for Texas who just lost Destiny Collins um, to as a graduate transfer to Baylor. Um, you know, that Texas women's program kind of needed some help. And I think they got a nice long term piece at least uh, with someone like Hebner. So um, nice to see that there. I think it's gonna be a cool fit. I always root for Texas. I just think that it's a program that is so, you know, on paper, should be really, really good. Not always the case, but, um, you know, I mean, they're still over wrong, they're still good, they qualify every year, admittedly, it's out of the south central region, but whatever um but yeah we'll 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 see. I like the pick up. I thought it was a it was a cool move
0: is Texas back
1: You know what I think I think if you have to ask if Texas is back, they're not back um mm-hmm. so yeah we'll we'll see what happens there
0: we We've heard that line on the college football scene for probably the last like six seven years every every time there's a big win texas Texas is back. Um yeah. Same thing with Notre like Dame. Said, yeah, that's a good point. And Notre
1: Dame actually is back, at least on the men's side. Notre Dame is back. Texas yes. we'll see we'll, we'll see. I don't know.
0: Absolutely. Well another big pickup that we saw was Tom Dodd um coming over from the UK to Michigan. Uh a solid middle distance runner, 148 in the 800 344, which he just ran, I think a few days ago. In the 1500, he has two seasons of eligibility, according to Michigan's website. Um, a guy that looks like he's going to come right in and qualify for regionals. You, you never know with uh, even guys coming over from England, how they're going to adjust immediately to the NCAA scene. But as long as he's running around his PR, he's going to be a regional contender and uh, quite honestly, could be a national contender.
1: Yeah, I mean, 148-344, I mean, you're essentially replicating what you had with Ben Hill, who's now a graduate transfer at Wake Forest, but better. Um, you know, that's, that's no insult to to Ben. It's just, you know, 148's moving. Uh, that, that's a really nice range between that and the 344. I mean, you're talking about a guy who could potentially challenge for, uh, you know, the, the Big Ten title. And, and Michigan has had a few guys come in and out of their program with some pretty decent 800 marks. They had a, a few guys under 150 over the last few years. Brennan Munley, uh, Munley, Munley? yeah, originally coming from Georgetown. Ned Willig originally coming from Brown. Um, they had a, a few other pretty decent names. Cole Johnson's another pretty strong 800 runner of theirs. They've got a few names. So to so bring in a guy like Tom Dodd, that, that's pretty strong, um, at least to, to kind of keep that mile 800 group alive while their, their distance group, specifically on the cross-country side, uh, really thrives.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, the Ben Hill comparison is a good one, and, and bodes well for Michigan if if he can uh, outperform that. But we had two other women who changed teams. We had Hannah Miller headed from uh, SMU to New Mexico, and Jerilyn Poe going to NAU from Michigan State. I think the we really talked a, a little bit about Miller off air, but she really brings a lot to the table for New Mexico. Um, she has all three seasons of eligibility. Um, this coming year or 2021 if she wants to use it then. But she's a 16 5 k runner, 33-23 uh, in the 10K, a really, really big pickup for New Mexico as they try to pick up where they left off last year.
1: Yeah, this kind of solidified the idea that the New Mexico women, um, I, I was going to say that they had the best offseason. It kind of depends on how you want to look at the transfers that Arkansas got and, and the recruits that they got. Uh, but I'd say New Mexico, in my mind, is probably the team that probably had the best offseason when it comes to transfers. I mean, yeah, Fiona O'Keefe doesn't have cross-country, but she has outstanding an outstanding resume. And then you add Hannah Miller to the mix, Ana Costa I mean, all of a sudden, New Mexico goes from, a, oh, they can probably be a podium team to, a, oh, they're going to be a podium team. And they might even be able to threaten the NC States and the Stanfords of the world. Do I think they're quite at that level? No, but... I mean, that's a scary good group. You know, they, they plugged a lot of holes um, in that lineup by adding Miller and by adding Costa Rales, at least for cross country. Um, you know, obviously, is there going to be a national championship this year? No. But in 2021, if all of those uh, athletes return, if they all decide to use their eligibility next year, um, that, that's going to, be, it's going to be really, really interesting. So a great pickup and one that really just has a massive impact on the overall team picture there.
0: And this is with New Mexico losing Edna Kurgat, and for them to be able to bounce back and, like you said, be probably that next best team out of that top, uh, outside of the top duo of Stanford and uh, NC State, I think says a lot about their offseason, like you were saying. And and to touch on uh, Poe going to NAU, she only has outdoor, but nine nineteen and sixteen oh six. If she did have cross country eligibility, I think we would ta- be talking a lot more about her, but. Uh, still a nice pickup for an NAU team that doesn't have that is starting to trend in the better in a in the right direction on the track, but doesn't have a whole lot of scores at the regional or national level. And and she certainly gives them another option.
1: Yeah. I mean, goes to Michigan State, uh, gets an all-American position, 34th at the national championships last year, runs great marks on the track, was really beginning to find her stride last spring. Um and oh, by the way, she's going to NAU to pursue her PhD. So I feel like an underachiever when looking at her. <laughs> with me. um, I mean, props to her. Kudos to her. I mean, that's that's you know phenomenal, um, you know, a phenomenal job and a phenomenal you know effort from her that she's going to try to you know do all that and um, just cool. You know, you don't really see that too often. You know, there's a few other women uh, that have kind of gone on to do some PhD work, and you know, all the credit to them. But trying to balance that and running at a high D1 level is. Um, it's really impressive. So, uh, kudos to her.
0: Yeah. I, I have a tough enough time just doing my master's program. I, I don't, I don't really want to think about a PhD program. Yeah. So like, like you said, props to her. Um, but I, that, that wraps it up for the transfers that we had. Um, we, I think there was maybe a few more, um, that we reported We, we saw, uh, Anthony Raftis head to Virginia and Nicole McMillan to Wichita state. Um, and we, I think we maybe reported on a few other ones. So if you want to check that out, go to com We are a website, as uh, Garrett sometimes worries people don't remember that. Um, we aren't just Instagram's Instagram just page. getting so <laughs> big,
1: yeah. Our Instagram is just like, what we're almost at, we're almost at 12,000 followers, and people just like read the article, read the article, like you know,
0: whatever. Um but as we mentioned we we've gotten a lot of uh, followers on Instagram and because of that I I think we had a very big mailbag so we should dive right into that and we'll we'll bring up the tri conference proposal again someone asked about why did they leave off the AAC the CUSA and the Sun Belt they with MTSU and Tulsa being ranked teams last year they're a little confused why they weren't in that proposal
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, let me just say that I'm sure teams that were kind of part of this tri-conference, the ACC, SEC, and Big 12, I'm sure they got to be thrilled that the Big 10 and Pac-12 were the conferences that said, nah, we're good, um, because those are probably the two best conferences in the nation. Um, So I'm sure they're probably a little happy with that. Um, In terms of why they were left out, um, it's not necessarily that they were left out, but you have to remember that a lot of this is budgetary and a lot of this is trying to fall in compliance. When you add more conferences and more teams, you have to create more hoops that you have to jump through, right? Um, Those schools and those conferences, their testing and protocols may be different, um, their budget to, you know, have those tests and to run those same protocols that maybe a separate conference requires is different. Someone that may not even be able to afford the proper testing, the proper uh, protocols to begin with, anyway. So, I think that's one to consider. Um, the complications of that, just you know, it, it just becomes increasingly more difficult. Um, but frankly, it's also, you know, I, I hesitate to say this. I don't think this is a an intentional part of this. But it's it's definitely, I think, a highlight of, of the Power Five's abilities and talents, right? You know, I think kind of sustaining that kind of further strengthens that Power 5 brand instead of saying, okay, but also look how good some of these other schools are. And if I'm going to be honest, if I'm a coach in the Sunbelt and if I'm a coach at a team in the Sunbelt that's already maybe not that great, how excited would I be to go to a meet where the only teams I'm facing are coming from the power five. And I would likely be finishing in the, at the very bottom each time we race. I don't know if, you know, and and look, they always say, love the sport, go run and athletes want to run. I get that. I'm just saying from a coaching perspective, there's a reason why some schools in the conference USA or in the Sun belt or in the AAC there's some reasons why they don't always go to the Nutty Combs of the world or the Pre Nationals of the world or the Bill Dellingers or the Chili Pepper or the etc. It's because they can't necessarily keep up with that competition. Now, granted, you could say probably say some of the same thing about some of the Big Twelve schools or some of the SEC schools, um, etc. But you know, it, it's it's a difficult balance. Um, I don't necessarily have a good, perfect reason saying, "Oh, that's 100% it." But I think it's probably a culmination of of a bunch of different things that add up to to something like that.
0: Yeah, I I think it's as simple as power five schools and non power five schools. I I think that the ACC, the um, uh, SEC and the Big 12 are really just focused on working with each other and as the remaining power five schools that are going to compete and I've think that they're not too focused on having other conferences compete with them when it's going to add like you said a lot of other hoops to jump through so i i just don't think they see the the cost benefit analysis working out well and i'm I'm sure like you said there are some athletes and some some of the schools and those conferences that would love to compete but i i don't think it's going to be feasible
1: no yeah i mean like i said you add another conference or even another team; just the logistics begin to get very tricky. Um, and and who knows, you know, like what, you know, who knows what could happen. But it, it is a it is a tricky scenario. But a good question, you know, like it, you know, trying to figure that out. Um, who knows? I, the based on based on what I saw, um, and and they just I just want to be clear real quick. They didn't completely bar other schools out. Um, that possibility hasn't been decided yet. So just something to consider. It is likely leaning towards the three conferences based on what I've seen and heard, but it it, it could change. So who knows?
0: As we've seen in 2020, it can change. Um, Next up, what do you think about the RMAC conference running an abbreviated schedule?
1: I'm not going to lie. I don't really know a whole lot about the RMAC running an abbreviated schedule, but I imagine. Yeah, I mean, like, I, there's only so much I can keep up with. But um, I, it doesn't really surprise me. Um, I, I did speak with one coach, um, you know, at the Division two level from one of the conferences that will be competing or is expected to compete this year, uh, and they want to. They want to compete if the eligibility isn't going to be affected. Same thing like at the Division one, and I imagine some Division three level. I, I don't know which schools at the Division three level are still going to race or try to compete, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me. I'm sure, you know, just like the, the tri-conference proposal that we just talked about, that's going to be more or less an abbreviated schedule. So, um, doesn't surprise me. I'd be interested in trying to see who they're going to run against or how that would work. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of figure it out. I don't, I, I would be surprised if a lot of other conferences didn't do the same.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, let's move on to what are the chances of having an indoor and outdoor season this year? Someone also asked about indoor happening with no vaccine.
1: I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think there's going to be an indoor track season. I I agree. I don't think you can have an indoor track. I don't think you can... Say, oh, football slash cross country can't happen in the fall, and then put everyone like two hundred people into a field house and be like, but now it's okay. You know, like I don't, I don't think that's how it works. If anything, I, of a season that was going to happen, it was probably going to be cross country. Um, I, I have, I am optimistic, and that's the only thing I can be right now. That a vaccine would hopefully be around by early 2021. That's what I've read, who like who knows at this point. I that I don't have anything to substantiate that. Don't make me your source. <sighs> but if that happens, I would think that maybe an outdoor track season is possible, especially based on the success that we have seen from outdoor track meets this past summer. So, I don't see an indoor track season happening. The only way I could see that happening was if they desperately needed basketball money, which could still very well happen for some schools. And then they'd say, okay, well, in that case, you can have indoor track. I don't really foresee that happening. Um, I just don't see a scenario there. We'll figure out what happens. I do think that the possibility of an outdoor track season is pretty somewhat realistic, uh, but we'll we'll kind of see from there.
0: Yeah, I I didn't want to be the dark cloud to say that there's no chance that indoor happens, but I, I don't think indoor is going to happen for the reasons you said. But out- outdoor, I think the success of Music City, Distance Carnival, the the other meets that have been going on in the last week or so, uh, the Under Armour race that just happened, I-, I think those are at least good indicators that we could see an outdoor season. I'm hopeful that in smaller meets that are more localized and with the progression of testing or a vaccine, as you mentioned, I, I think we do... I, I I'm holding out hope, like you, that we could have a fairly normal outdoor season. Not not guaranteeing it by any measure, but I, I think indoor is is zero percent chance in my mind. I think outdoor at least has a fighting shot.
1: Yeah, I'd say indoor. I'd give it a some percent chance just because, you know, ever since NAU lost the national title, um I'm giving some percent chance to anything <laughs> happening. <laughs> Uh, so we'll, we'll see hopefully it turns out better for the possibility of having a season than nau losing a national title but um you know we'll we'll see what happens uh but yeah who, who knows
0: fair enough thoughts on a spring cross-country season and possible overlap with track meets
1: so apparently the ncaa has still pushed for the idea or at least asked about the idea of a march cross-country championship. Carnage, baby. Which would be unbelievable. Now, a championship in March could be realistic, especially if there is no indoor track season. Exactly. That That seems realistic. If they try to push it into April or May, I don't see that happening. Why would any coach, especially if there's an outdoor track season, why would any coach say, well, that's kind of behind us. I have my athletes primed and ready for the sprints and for the middle distances. Like I, I guess I don't know. Like it is to me it doesn't make sense. Um like I think it, it just I, I don't I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening if it's in April or May or June or whatever. Um I think if it's in March, it's like, yeah, sure, then you get enough time to rest up and prepare for April and May and so on and so forth. But um we'll even see if that happens. I'm not super optimistic that will happen. The possibility is still there, but also then it's like, well, how do you qualify? You know, which teams do you get there? Does that mean we're gonna be running cross-country races out in the winter? you know, when there's snow on the ground, are we going to be seeing the Northeast regional championship happen? you know, every weekend for every race? Like, who knows? I just don't see a realistic scenario where that happens. And truthfully, I don't think the NCAA, I don't think that's their priority either.
0: No, cross country is never the NCAA's priority, but I, I agree that if indoor does not happen, I think there is a chance just because there's going to be that block of time when it, it's feasible for it to happen, whether or not you want to be running in January in New York. I, I I don't I I'm not to say I would not, but I'm going to be in Nashville, so we'll be fine. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think they're going to put too much thought into it other than uh, unless like a swell of schools and conferences decide that they want to do that.
1: I just want to put it out for the record. I do not want to be running in the snow in New York in the middle of January. And I live three hours away. So, you know, it's one of those deals. Um, But yeah, I would not want to do that either
0: um let's see here which men's and women's athlete will make the biggest jump given another year this is a tough one
1: this is a tough one um i don't have a specific answer for this question but i do think it's going to be the athletes going to their sophomore to junior year right uh, freshmen still kind of learning this rope still trying to gain experience you know it takes time for freshmen especially in the longer distances um you know 5k 10k you need to kind of build up that that endurance, that stamina, those miles upon miles. But I think kind of by the time you're a sophomore, and now you've got this extra. As I drop my phone, um, but I think as you kind of get to this, you know, that other year where it's okay, you're supposed to be your sophomore year. You kind of built up. You're kind of getting there. Um, you compete as a sophomore, and then as you're going into your junior year, you're being told, hey, you're not going to have a season, but you get an entire another year to train and practice. And then you'll actually go into your junior year, I think you're going to see that happen for a lot of men and women at at every division. you know you're now going to have basically two full years of stacking miles on top of each other and training for just a single season or for a single year, which you know typically doesn't happen. so um yeah, I would say probably anyone who's a sophomore to junior type kind of runner uh, who's going to be focusing on the longer distances,
0: yeah, so like are you kind of talking about like the Drew Bosleys of the world? Um a little
1: I bit yeah I mean they're 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 more fresh that's more of a freshman yes, freshmen, yeah well, um, I just I can't even think of someone off the top of my head, um I' was gonna say Cole Hawker, but he's kind of in the same boat there as well, pretty much anyone who would have been a junior this year, and I'm trying oh, okay. to figure out like gotcha. who that would have been i don't even I can't even think of anyone off the top of my head
0: yeah i i I was thinking of like someone like Casey Klinger, I think this really benefits someone oh like him. absolutely. Um, so he's going to be full strength 2021, no, no problem. So I think, and then I think the freshmen, um, that had good seasons, like you said, Cole Hawker, I think they're a good shout. Dylan Jacobs probably fits the mold that you were talking about a little bit. Um, I think him and Danny Kilray could really, uh, benefit from this on the, on the women's side, it'll be interesting to see what, like incoming freshmen I can do after having a full year under their belt, uh, to train and to like someone like Caitlin too, she gets to be in that NC state program for an entire year before running at nationals, which I think is super beneficial for her and for the team. Um, those are just a few of the names that I've, I'm kind of looking at. I, I don't know if there's any other ones that you wanted to throw out.
1: Yeah, no, I think like the NAU redshirt trio, the Abdi Nerd, the Brody Hastie, oh, yeah. the Theo Quacks. I mean, Theo Quacks is in a boot right now. So the idea that, you know, he's going to get back across country of season of eligibility that he was going to have to redshirt anyways, or maybe redshirt considering he's in a boot right now, who knows what would have happened. Um, I mean, but that's, that's huge. I mean, that's huge for a guy like him. Um, it kind of worked out favorably from, from that perspective. And, and my brother's kind of kind of going through the same thing with some, some foot injury that he was dealing with as well. It, it's, you know, the, the timeline is working very favorably. Um, so it, it, at least for a few athletes. So, so I'd say athletes who are kind of making that jump, but also athletes who are trying to rebound from injury or come back from a break or et cetera, et cetera Um, I think that's a, you know, a, a key thing to watch and think about.
0: Absolutely. Next up, will you cover the conferences that have fall cross country for D1, D2, et cetera?
1: I don't think we have a choice. I think, I think we have any, to. I mean, any
0: races. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll absolutely cover it. Um, yeah. I don't have, I don't have anything more to say about that. We'll cover it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I, I hope, I hope they do. I hope everyone's also safe at the same time, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, absolutely cover it.
0: 100%. Should high school cross country have a see- have a season?
1: I don't, I don't, know. I mean, it's different in every state. It's different in how you approach it. It's different if people are wearing that. Like, I, I don't know. Like how do you segment it? I've seen like at some, like some areas like split up the flights of right. runners. I, I don't, I don't have a good answer. I'm not going to say yes or no, because I just don't know enough about each state's individual um, areas. I'll tell you, I'm, I was surprised that PIAA um, in Pennsylvania opted to move forward with competition. Um, especially given some of the, the contradictions with, you know, Governor Wolf and, and what was happening there. Um, but uh, I, I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer just because it's different in each state.
0: Should is a, is a strong word when we don't really necessarily know a hundred percent what we're talking about I, as a high school coach for uh, in Tennessee, I, I definitely think that I, our guys want to have a shot at racing, but to do it safely is uh, a challenge. And I, I think there's a lot of things that meet directors and coaches are trying to do to make that a reality, but I'm not going to fault anyone for canceling even, even though they want to ra even, even though all the coaches want to run, I, I think it's just, I, I don't fault anyone for playing it safe. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll see some races, but I, I can't, like you said, strongly endorse any position.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's a very political answer that we just gave. But <laughs> yes. it's, okay. it's yeah. just it, like I, I would, I would say, you know, I because you know, part of it's it's a selfish part of me where I'm like, yeah, I want to race. Let's go race. Like, let's go do something. And the other side of me is like, well, we got to be careful. You know, there's people in our lives that you want to be, you know, make sure you're being safe around. So. I don't I don't have a good answer. I'm truthfully in the middle. Um, and I can understand why anyone wants to go one way or the other.
0: So yeah, exactly. How will COVID affect college recruitment?
1: I'm gonna hijack this and just say, go read my stuff on Milesplit. That's my promotion for Milesplit, milesplit.us. I I talk about that specific question extensively in a variety of different articles as a strike of lightning just nearly hits my house. Anyways, um, it looks like it's just heat lightning, anyways. Um But yeah, go check out uh, my my stuff on milesplit.us. The short answer is that it could impact a lot of different ways. Um, It could make teams next year a lot better, especially those who are going to bring back athletes with eligibility. Um, You know, it it could you know uh, force coaches to only look at a handful of times and make decisions based off of that. So we'll we'll see. But um, otherwise, if you want to know more, go to milesplit.us.
0: Yeah, the easy answer is lack of. Times and lack of uh, yeah. just experience for uh, coaches and athletes to go off of. Um, D three teams that could compete with Division one teams.
1: So this is kind of like a, I feel like like really if you're if you're at the national championship maybe like a top ten top fifteen team at the D three level whether it be at the national championships or just overall. I would think that you could probably be pretty competitive with most D1 teams. Like I think a lot of people get distracted yeah. by like the power five, but there's also some not great D1 teams that I don't know how well they would do at the D3 level. Um, part of that's funding. Part of that's just, they're not good. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say like probably, you know, if you're a top 10, top 15 team, you can probably be, I don't, I don't know. Like does, does is upper half seem realistic? Like, I I guess, I I don't know.
0: Yeah, I would say middle. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, I think if you make nationals as a D3 team, you're like in the 50th or like percentile of D1 teams. Like I I think if you look at smaller conferences like the OVC or Sunbelt or whatever, you you pluck a a national qualifying D3 team into that conference and they're probably finishing in the top four or five.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's about right. I don't want to... I also don't, at the same time, don't want to insult the, ta- like the talent level at the Division One level, um, but like, you know, it seems like North Central College like is it team that could probably move up and effectively race at the D1 level, at least historically speaking. So, yes. you know, who, who knows? But yeah, I'd say in a broad scale, that's kind of what, you know, kind of the gist.
0: All right, fork, spoon, knife. What two would you choose to live off for the rest of your life? Go.
1: This is so easy. Okay, now hold on a sec. Let's 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 do the countdown. Let's do the three, two, one countdown, and okay. you're gonna tell me the one that you would not choose. Okay. Okay. All right, ready? Three, yeah. two, one. Spoon. Knife. Ooh. What? How? How could you? What? Hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, tell me. What do you use a spoon for? Do you use a spoon more often than a
0: knife? Well, I just feel like you can do most of what you need to do with a fork, like or like with the, like. If you would need to do something with a knife, you could figure it out with a fork. I, really? And so you're, you, you're
1: gonna cut a steak? You're gonna cut a steak with a knife?
0: Oh, I'm sorry, with, with the, a fork. With the fork. I, I mean, I think that's more realistic than trying to knife in like some soup.
1: Yeah, but how often are you eating soup?
0: Not much because I don't like soup. But what I'm nice. just saying. So why you <laughs> <going to laughs>
1: <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. Outside of cereal and and uh
0: and soup. I love cereal. Cereal would be a huge problem for me. Okay, I'm not a big, spoon.
1: I'm not a big cereal guy. And you can still eat ice cream if it's not melted enough with a fork. It's fork and knife all the way. And like, I can't even remember the last, I can't remember the last time I used a spoon.
0: Wow, I can't. I used can. use one today, so. I, I don't know. I, I I don't think I used a knife today. So Ben,
1: I, I, I kid you not. I was eating a sundae, like a, an ice cream sundae on Saturday, Friday night. And I literally went, it was a brownie sundae. So I had brownie and ice cream. Uh, okay. And I thought, what should I use for this? A fork or a spoon? And I used a fork because I don't need a spoon. I'm just saying, If in that instance, I should tell you everything.
0: There's two type of two types of people apparently and and we have fallen into one bucket each. Um it and lastly, wrong. yeah, lastly on a depressing note and I think this was ju- done just to make us feel bad. How are you feeling about the 76ers?
1: Yeah, shout out Brett, dude. That was yeah. the first one we got. Uh you know, like it, it was it was such an easy thing to see coming, especially when Ben Simmons got injured. Like just just a brutal brutal loss, and like it was like that last game was just awful, and they it wasn't even close. They got swept every time, and you see Tobias hit the floor like that. That really Tobias yeah. hitting the floor like that was just so symbolic of what that second half of the season was like. It was just it was just like a smack in the face. That's kind of what it was, and. I think this is the last time we're going to see Brett Brown.
0: Yep. Um, and hopefully the front office too.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I think they're going to get the they front office.
0: They all of got to go. They all got to uh, go.
1: We'll see. I mean, hey, if they bring back Sam Pinky, I'm fine with it. Oh, all right, heck
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: if they, they bring back Sam Pinky, all for it. Um, but yeah, it, it, look, if, if they had brought Ben, if Ben Simmons was healthy or like they at least kept it close, you know, and it was a tight series and a tight game, but they got swept and none of the games were close. None of
0: the game. I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I watched game one and then I watched the first half of game two and they were only down like by five at halftime at game two. And I'm like, I'm done. I know where this is going, and I have not watched a minute since because I I, I, I for my for my mental health, I was just like, I can't. I I can't do this to myself. And I we could literally do a whole nother podcast on this. I have so many thoughts, so I'll, I'll cut it here. But if you if you wanna listen to exactly like my internal feelings. Go to uh, listen to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And they their internal screaming is basically what I have been doing for this whole week. So it's, uh, been, rough. it's, it's been a horrific week for a Sixers fan. Um, so what a happy note to finish on. Uh, thank you for all your mailbag questions, except for you, Brett. Um, we weren't, weren't, weren't happy about that one. But uh, Garrett, this was this was great. We uh, really yeah. enjoyed all the mailbag questions we We should do this again soon. You guys clearly have a lot of things on your mind, so uh, we'll we'll definitely give you the platform again.
1: Yeah, that was cool. I mean we've also grown significantly since we last did the mailbag stuff, but that was I mean we had to delete the the questionnaire on Instagram after just a couple hours because there were so many questions but yeah, it's great we'll we'll take it so. Um, all right. That's, that's all I got on my end, Ben. Um, anything else from you?
0: Leave us five-star rating a review and we will see you next week until next time, Garrett. I'll talk to you.
1: I'll talk to you.